My name is Dr. Anwar Osborne. And I'm Dr. Matthew Wheatley. And this is Pobscast. Good morning, podcast listeners. This is Matt Wheatley. I'm here as always with Dr. Anwar Osborne. What's up, guys? And uh, we, got a, we got a real treat for you this time. Um, we're trying to get these podcasts out with more frequency, and so fortunately we've been, uh, we've been lucky to be able to do that. Uh, but this time we are recording live from uh, SAEM in Orlando, Florida, and uh, we had the Observation Medicine Interest Group meeting, and so we uh, kind of commandeered the space and uh, just kind of kept on and recorded. And We were about to get kicked out. That was pretty exciting. That is true. There, there was another group that had the space, and they're like, well, our meeting got canceled, and we're like, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Osborne has taken the podcast game up to 11 now and he had already set up all his microphones and was there looking was at the cables. prospect of having to take them down so i was like i don't want to leave so um but it was fun uh you know we uh did we ask chris before you got there if he wanted to do the interview i don't remember but he was down yeah it was it was uh surreptitious is that the right word yeah just, it kind of ha- it just kind of happened it was organic, organic. <laughs> it was That's an organic like. meaning but uh you know chris caspers is an em doc at uh, nyu he's a really good guy uh he has uh you know really insightful things we talked offline about you know work-life balance i thought that was really cool the uh other thing that uh you know whether or not you're a jealous person like me or not you can say as cool as that he is surrounded by a ton of support at NYU and uh, he because of that he can really tell you about like advanced metrics and analytics that they do for their unit some of which we tried to replicate uh, that would probably be something maybe for a different podcast maybe we'll talk more about that in um, in Nashville but uh, you know today we kind of talked about or at this this uh, for this recording we talked about the some of the things uh, from the meeting, which I thought were all uh, pretty, pretty cool, pretty insightful. Yeah, it was also a good meeting with uh, Jim Detien from JPS in Fort Worth. Um, he is getting back into the academic realm and is really interested in getting involved uh, with moving some of the uh, OBS agenda items forward. So it was definitely a good uh, meeting with him and, and kind of bouncing ideas off of him. So that was great. Yeah, no, he's got this kind of real world uh, look at it. And I think, you know, having that sort of fresh perspective with someone who knows how to how to talk to the C-suite kind of already and have him say, you know, these are the things that, you know, I think are missing, even though, you know, in the academic circle, we're like, oh, yeah, they're there. But, uh, you know, being able to have that sort of fresh look at it, saying, you know, this this sort of thing is not obvious. These are the questions that keep coming up. Right. It's always good, always good to have that perspective, um, especially coming from an academic center where we don't have a lot of private insured patients. Uh, the, the thoughts you have to take into account with OBS cases with private insurers is different than self-pay. Um, so anyway, uh, we don't want to keep you guys too long. I think we had a couple housekeeping items. Uh, housekeeping. We need, we need yes. to talk about. All right. Um, <laughs> Always exciting. Uh, the first is a couple conference deadlines. If anybody is looking to present any posters, there is the ASEP Research Forum, which is part of Scientific Assembly, which this year will be October 29th through 31st in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Research Forum abstracts are due on May 26th, so that's 
I think a week from tomorrow uh, they are due. And then the second thing is the CORD Council of Residency Directors. This is for the 2018 meeting. They are taking uh, proposals for their ideas, uh, innovations in education. Uh, ideas stands for Innovation, Development, Education, and Academics, where the S is capitalized too. <laughs> uh, so those are due uh, through uh, June 1st through June 1st, 2017, you can submit those. And so go to either the ASAP website or the cordem.org website to submit those. But uh, people out there who are doing OBS and doing research uh, get credit for what you're doing. Right, yeah, we can't, uh, we can't sit silent. Uh, at, our, at our shop, I know uh, I'm trying to put together kind of a decision-making thing for the hard score with Dr. Wheatley. Uh, are you guys going to put the um, traumatic brain injury thing in there yeah we've got uh we have some of our third year residents both for the heart score and for the tbi thing Mm -hmm. have done incredible amount of work um to put that together so uh, i'm hoping we can take it across the finish line yeah i mean there's a good chance it may not you know none of the stuff may ever end up at the forum but you know it's worth submitting it's worth trying it's worth trying to be part of the conversation uh, so the other things, uh, some more minor housekeeping is, uh, one, uh, again, we'd love to hear from you, uh, it, if at all possible. You can review the podcast on uh, Apple iTunes, uh, on the podcast uh, review uh, tab. Uh, we're also, we put the podcast on TuneIn. Um, I actually find myself listening to a lot of podcasts there. Uh, that's a great platform. We, uh, we're on Twitter now uh, at uh, PopObservation. Uh, that's Observation with a P. And um, if you just want to say something nice or not nice on email, you can email us uh, at uh, popobservation at gmail.com. That's P and Observation, P-O-B, whatever. Observation. <laughs> observation with a P. <laughs> observation with a P. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's it. Oh, we did, uh, we um the Nashville conference coming up, right? Oh yeah, Nashville conference, September fourteenth, fifteenth, uh, Nashville. That's gonna be great. We're gonna tell you all about it in, in, in a second here. But yeah. one of the newer things that um we kind of worked out this week, we dropped the rate for APPs, right, to come yeah. to this conference. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a little bit cheaper. A lot of times, I guess, people don't look as much at how much it costs to go to these conferences, but, um, you know, we want to make it uh, reasonable, affordable, and we want to have uh, all the good speakers. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, we'll get on to the uh, show. All right. We'll see you in a bit. Thanks. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, this is Matt Wheatley. This is Onward again, and we want you to come out to see us in September uh, this year for the Observation Medicine Science and Solutions Conference. Are you the director of an observation unit that just started, or have you had an observation unit that you're looking to grow? Uh, do you have billing or coding questions? Well, all that stuff's going to be answered at the conference this year. Right. We're going to be talking about the newest and latest protocols. We're going to have the leaders and the people who publish the papers there, unlike a lot of observation conferences. And we're going to be at the Doubletree downtown in Nashville, one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, uh, we had the conference there two years ago, and uh, it rained the first night, but uh, we still had a great time, had a great attendance. Um, So we're back there by popular demand. 
Right, so September 14th and 15th, 2017, Nashville, Tennessee, the Doubletree Hilton, uh, Nashville downtown, and it is put on by the Michigan College of Emergency Physicians. You can go to mset.org for more information, or you could go to obsprotocols.org and click the link there. So hopefully we see you then. All right. What's up, podcast listeners? Uh, thanks for tuning in for another exciting episode of Pobscast. We are actually recording guerrilla style in Orlando, Florida, uh, just after the completion of the SAEM interest group uh, meeting here in the Hyatt uh, Regency. And uh, so both of y'all are here for just one day, right? Yes. <laughs> one day. One day, Matt? Less than one day. Just flew in. Uh, yeah. Just through, Matt just flew in. Just flew uh, in and then flying out. I, I drove and... The mouse already has enough of my money. I don't need to give him any it's, it's crazy. I actually drove in um, yesterday. It was six hours, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, it was about the same amount of time to fly. So, um, But... I actually, in, in all of that driving, I ended up at the wrong Hyatt this morning, believe it or not. So, yeah. Tour, yeah. tour of Orlando Hotel. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's two Hyatts. So on, we should, in, we should in introduce this. who we've got with us today. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, so, as always, uh, uh, I'm here. I'm Matt Wheatley. And, uh, Dr. Osborne's here as well. But we have special guests in the room. Uh, so, Dr. Chris Caspers is here from NYU uh, and say hello. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to be here in Orlando and with you guys this morning on the Pobscast. Yeah, thanks for coming or staying, I guess, in the meeting. And then uh, we'll give a shout out also in the room is Dr. Jim uh, Detien from JP Smith, yes. JPS Health System in Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, so he's, uh, he's gonna be heckling us, keeping us on task. All right. So, so Chris, uh, before we get started, just uh, give us some context. Tell us a little bit about your shop at NYU. So we have uh, a type 1 OBS unit, uh, 35 beds, and we have been operating this way since 2013 uh, when we came back online after being closed for Hurricane Sandy. And uh, it's been a great experience ever since. And we have a second OBS unit that we recently opened in Brooklyn at our uh, other hospital, NYU Lutheran, and possibly plans for more, but uh, you know, always looking for ways to grow. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, you've been doing OBS uh, for a little bit there. Uh, you came to, I think you were at Nashville last year, uh, and you guys presented some pretty awesome stuff about metrics. Uh, what kind of things are you guys working on in your OBS unit right now? So our latest efforts have been focused on quality and safety and trying to define exactly what that means in observation, which uh, tends to get a little bit tricky. We consider ourselves outpatients, and uh, we're actually in hospital beds. So you know, which metrics and which standards of care do we hold ourselves accountable to? Is it the outpatient metrics? Is it the inpatient metrics? And so we're, we're at an intersection, and we're trying to define those things. Oh. That's good stuff. So, so Matt, Matt is the uh, chair of the SAM interest group. Am I right? 
yeah, the outgoing chair, I guess, Dr. Margarita Pena, also of the uh, MSEP OBS conference fame, will be taking over uh, in my stead. All right, so uh, we had a meeting today. So you want to tell us a little bit about it, Matt? Or? Yeah, I think it was, uh, I guess we'll say it was somewhat of an existential meeting. We solved some deep issues, uh, mainly of what is the purpose of the observation medicine interest group at SAEM, uh, and what do we want to get out of it going forward. Um, one thing that we've talked about on the podcast before uh, is just that the you know the membership is kind of light for this interest group as compared to the ASAPOB section. Uh, but I think the people who were in attendance, the four of us here, felt that uh, this was fundamentally a good thing to keep going, that in keeping with SAEM's mission of research and education, that uh, an observation interest group would be primarily focused on those two things as it relates to observation medicine. Um, and that would be separate and distinct from uh, kind of ASEP's focus on advocacy and operations. Um, and so obviously, A, we want to grow our membership, but B, we want to have a uh, have projects ongoing that will make it a place that people want to come and be involved. So I, I think it was more of a strategy session, and like I said, very kind of deep existential. Is this, is this something we want to continue? But I think obviously a fundamentally good thing, so. Yeah, and, and I, think, uh, I think we agree that it's a great opportunity to talk about what our role is gonna be in education and teaching tomorrow's physicians how to take care of this patient group that based on any indicators that we see is, is only gonna be increasing. And so teaching them the right way to take care of these patients uh, in the future and teaching them where the evidence is and um, highlighting some of the challenges that are going to be associated with providing this type of care and figuring out how we're going to work with the educators to incorporate this into some type of curriculum. Right. And uh, I, thought, I thought one of the better, uh, better things that kind of came up is this concept of the, the benchmarking that we kind of you know, dance around is not the right word, but I think there's a lot of uh, disparate sort of factions that come up to the same conclusions uh, with length of stay and, and uh, the types of protocols that we have. Uh, and I think it might be useful if uh, out of this group we put together something that we actually call a benchmarking kind of paper that maybe even discusses um, the state of OBS in terms of like where's the advocacy uh, and where are the future directions of research because I think when we did uh, critical metrics before and uh, when we just finished the EM clinics chapters I don't I'm not so sure anybody covered like the uh, OBS diaspora you know um, and you know Mike called and got upset at me the other day <laughs> <laughs> what day is that? It's every day. Anyway, so Mike calls me and gets, uh, he says that what we should consider doing is kind of reaching out to the Society of Hospital Medicine. And, um, you know, really, uh, I think one of us needs to do that because uh, you, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was somebody who met with the, um, I think it was the Senate Committee for Aging, right? Uh, and 
that person, discuss with them some of the logistics of the uh, two midnight rule, and they went almost directly to the Society of Hospital Medicine. Uh, and the person that talked to them was not uh, somebody who runs an OBS unit. It was somebody who uh, I, I, pr I know personally, and like, you know, we didn't get a fair shake. And I think we need to probably kind of reach out title the paper something that would be uh, accessible, all right? Uh, like, what is the benchmark? What do we have to do in OBS? So, like, that, that gave me the seed for a great idea. I think we need to uh, kind of build upon that. Well, and I think the problem is that we'll read that paper, the one from the Society of Hospital Medicine, and say, oh, well, you know, it's clear that they're having a horrible time with this because it's in a type 4 setting, and that seems very obvious to us, uh, but I think a lot of folks don't necessarily, uh, outside of the, the kind of small world of OBS, don't necessarily know that. And, and so I think having something like OBS unit benchmarking and, and titling it that will lend, lend more credence to some of these metrics that we're trying to put out there as, as uh, you know, this is, this is where your OBS unit needs to be. Right. I, I think another thing we talked about is I think we should probably get more granular on trying to figure out what's the mechanism to get a, a national database type thing going. Yeah. One of the, I think one of the biggest challenges that we are having is that there really is no way right now to understand how many hospitals and hospital systems are providing observation services within a dedicated unit versus just in a random bed and using a different status. And so starting to figure out how many of us there actually are within the observation unit spectrum and start to talk about what we're doing within our units so that we can address uh, many of the challenges that are being experienced when observation is delivered outside of the unit. And, well, and would, uh, sorry, I'd say that would allow us to do multi-center research more easily. Uh, that if a, you know, if we at Emory want to do a retrospective analysis or even a prospective study on a certain condition or 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 whatnot, uh, it would lend more weight to that project if we add a couple other sites uh, that are geographically separate from us, see a different patient population, and it would be able to say that you know a type one observation unit is a good a good idea in all these settings. Yeah, I think to us, it's we're we're looking at it like we 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 believe we have a way to make healthcare delivery better. We we believe we have a way to make healthcare on the whole better, but we're being confused by the fact that the the observation services is not the same across the board. And so when you look at the papers that aren't uh, realizing the same benefits that we are, and when you look at the critics of observation, really what they're referring to is observation care that's delivered outside of the unit. So how do we talk about the benefits of, of what we are seeing in these units on a much larger scale? And I think the first thing that we have to do is just look at it on a national level and realize who's doing what and, and talk about the variability that, that exists. And that's a tough road to hoe, but I think uh, trying to leverage SAM and like their, their resources, I think, is probably our first step in trying to get a handle on this sort of thing. Yeah. We'd also talked about, I think, reaching out to the Council of Residency Directors, or CORD, in terms of more the educational front, uh, which I think uh, Chris had mentioned a little bit. 
earlier, you know, just, you know, we talked about how a lot of uh, residents will graduate and will go into settings where they're expected to work in or run an emergency department observation unit. Uh, and they do that with very little in the way of formal training. And so I think uh, being able to have a presence uh, work with that group um, will allow uh, some of these educational initiatives to flourish and, and also lead to some uh, educational scholarship. Yeah. I think the reality that we're seeing is that emergency medicine residents and emergency departments are running observation units at an increasing rate. And we have an obligation to prepare our residents to be able to practice in emergency medicine and in the world tomorrow. So how can we do that and what sort of relationships are we going to need with, uh, with the residency directors and with the different professional societies to, to prepare our trainees um, as well as possible? Uh, so, you know, we spent uh, a lot of time talking about that. Uh, we also did talk about maybe a way to do like even a smaller scale like cross collaboration, even in terms of uh, Google Doc. Now, hey, that's probably going to take somebody to uh, to maintain that sort of thing, like kind of how we talked about. But you know, even something where you just have one site that's saying, "Hey, we're putting together, you know, sixty or seventy patients for a PE study," who would be willing to, to submit some anonymous data to help uh, make our paper a little bit more robust? I think that that would be an interesting uh, sort of. Uh, mechanism that we can use to draw some members in and share data that way also. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's been a challenge that I've heard at a lot of these national meetings is that, you know, you want to, as we said before, be able to collaborate across institutions and there's not, unfortunately, now a robust mechanism for that to happen. And I don't think that's, that's not just true of you know, the observation medicine interest group, I think that's true, you know, regardless of if you want to do, you know, patient-centered research in the ED in general, I, I think it's it's hard to reach out of your, the four walls of your institution to, to another institution. Um, but having a group of folks here that are like-minded and wanting to do uh, observation research um, you know, that's at least the start, that's the kernel. Uh, and the, the hard part, I think, is keeping the focus on that when you go back to your home institution and have, uh, you know, your institutional problems you have to deal with and working shifts and dealing with family stuff at home. I mean, it's, it's keeping the eye on that um, because I think, as we talked about before, that's going to make the research more powerful is having more institutions uh, in this. Right, yeah. Research is not easy, but uh, just to, let me just switch gears for just a second. You know, uh, Chris, next next week we're going to be talking about um, the OIG report where they followed up on the two midnight rule. We kind of mentioned that I think in if this not if not this last show, but the show before that. Uh, I know you read it uh, pretty closely, uh, just so that uh, we can kind of get you in the air and kind of get your sense of it. Uh, what did you think, and uh, do you think it uh, gives you and your unit and your administration um, some direction moving forward? Uh, I think, like most things related to the two midnight rule, everybody is still trying to interpret what exactly to do with, with it and how to make sense of it from an operational standpoint. But, um, 
you know, my read is that observation does not appear to be decreasing in any sense. And if anything, um, we're seeing an increase in the amount of prolonged observation that's being delivered. So, you know, for better or for worse, what that means is that we're either still not defining the the strict line between an observation patient and an inpatient, or it means we're going to be, or it additionally means that we're going to be taking care of patients in observation for longer periods of time. Um, what does that mean for the observation units and the observation care that we're delivering? So I think that we're in a position where we are still going to be facing the two midnight rule and uh, gearing our observation units to policy by CMS. Um, I think it behooves every observation unit director to be aware of these policies because it's, you know, they're really the key interface between their hospital and, um, and the way that healthcare is delivered in our country. Plus, I think it's how the hospitals and the C-suite and the hospitals and the utilization management teams will come up with expectations for where patients should be placed how long they should stay there, and how long they should stay in the designation they're in. And that definitely can impact us as OBS unit directors and, frankly, as ED providers. Um, so it, it behooves us to have a say in that conversation on a hospital level, uh, and definitely higher than that on a national level and on a policy level, but definitely on a hospital level, you, you know, I've... I've taken it on myself to be in the utilization management meetings at Grady and to be involved in those conversations and to speak into uh, those conversations. Speak and truth to power. That's true. You know, the, the other thing I, I think that the OIG report also shows is that these short uh, inpatient stays are, from their perspective, still uh, undesirable. Yeah. Um, my, my take on it is that that is the biggest problem that they see, and, and they're talking about uh, when to refer to what used to be called the rack. The QIOs. The, yeah, the QIO system is going to be looking for the short-stay inpatients. Yeah, those are, those are definitely the, the hot-button right. things. And the problem on the other end, though, the, the long-stay uh, outpatients or the, the prolonged OBS, uh, insurers and the, the government isn't necessarily going to worry about those, but that's when the patients start getting into trouble. That's when they start getting hit with the big bills and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really implicit on uh, healthcare institutions, not necessarily OBS units, but you know, we have a problem where if somebody, if we convert somebody to an inpatient team, you know, cause their asthma is not better after the first midnight or, you know, whatever, that team will say, well, we're just going to keep them on OBS. And so I think the education needs to be to them, too, that, no, you know, the, the OBS period or, or the inpatient period really starts at the, the ED front door. Uh, and that, that if, if we're turning them over to you all, that, you know, that they can be flipped to inpatient at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Even if it's just going to be a, a, a shorter a shorter stay because a short stay inpatient where they take into account the total OBS stay it was one of the things they thought actually needed to be corrected so um but again like how you say it, it's it's one of these things where you don't want to game the system you want to try to do the right thing so but uh but all right well you know i'm not going to keep you too long uh chris has a flight matt has a flight um and i think 
I'm not going to drive out till tomorrow. So I'm going to take one more morning with no kids. That's right. Go to the pool. <laughs> Sit by the pool. <laughs> Sit by the pool. And um, I'm going to just tell my wife I had um, meetings. Yeah, meetings. <laughs> <laughs> She'll never know. <laughs> she doesn't listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> but all right, guys. So uh, again, um, she's not one of the three listeners. Who <laughs> no, I tell her about it. She just she just ignores me. So uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks, uh, Dr. Caspers, for joining us. Uh, and um, we look forward to uh, meeting up with you in the future. We'll probably do another gorilla show in Nashville. Get uh, your take on yeah. it. Now. Great. Thanks Dr. So Jetian, anything to anything to add? Great meeting. <laughs> yeah. He's hitting me with right. spitballs. Yeah, that's right. It's a good meeting. And uh, all right, until next time, guys. If uh, you didn't have odds, you certainly have a problem. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>